0: Welcome to the Good Doctrine Podcast, where we believe that good doctrine establishes good living. I'm Sean Pasley, and I'm
1: Josh Howard. This is episode 33, um, and we're dubbing today the the quarantine special.
0: Yeah, we're hunkered down in the the bunker, hunkered down in our, bunker. in our
1: podcast room. Yeah, um, and we discussed not even having the the podcast. Obviously, there's everything's going not haywire, but just everything has just developed so quickly and things are changing almost daily with the COVID-19 situation. But we decided to try to come together, um, talk about some things that I think are important right now for the church, um, for God's people, and uh, hopefully be an encouragement during this Time when there's a whole lot of discouragement in the news and in the media and right. everything like that. Right. Um, just a little bit of housekeeping. We have a couple of things coming up. Um, and like I said, everything's in flux right now. So we have a couple of things coming up. We had an interview um, coming up next episode uh, with our fellow pastor, uh, Lawson Harlow. He's not a pastor here at our church. He's from Mercy Hill um, in Olive Branch. Uh, we were supposed to have a discussion with him on uh, on doctrine don't know if that's going to happen at this point because, like I said, this is this is kind of day to day. So hopefully, Lord willing, we can still talk to to Pastor Lawson. And if we don't get it done this this next episode, we'll we'll follow that up later. We also have in two episodes, we'll be having an interview with Doctor Benjamin Glad. Um, Lord,
0: again, Lord willing, because who knows? You yeah, know what's going on? Yeah,
1: Lord willing, and that's from from his end as well. He's he's down in Jackson at uh, at RTS. But we were going to interview him and talk about a book that he has coming out or that just came out. Um, but again, we'll just see how that develops. Um, Lord willing, we can talk to them, and if not, we'll we'll make sure to let everybody know, and
0: and we'll take it from there. But we really do see this podcast, and we mention it every single week that this is a, a ministry, and uh, so we don't want we don't. This is not just like kind of a game or a hobby for us. We really do feel like we're equipping the saints with the things that we talk about and kind of the discussions that we have with other pastors and, and brothers in, in Christ. So we we're, we're, we're hesitant to say that we're not going to have episodes because, you know, if anything else, like, like last week, you know, we can Skype and do it, you know, from a distance. Right. So it's not even that big of a deal. But uh, as far as, you know, our kind of our scheduled interviews and and doing it with other people, we'll see. But um, yeah, just kind of playing it by ear and uh, going by kind of our, the, the government's lead on, you know, a lot of stuff. And as far as, you know, (laughs) how many or few people we should be around and, we're pretty close to six feet from each other right now. Yeah, it's six feet.
1: The, the desk is wide, but I'm trying to lean back in my chair if, if, if I come across a little bit. We are breathing directly at each other. Yeah, let's just, yeah. Well, let's start off with a little bit of encouragement from God's Word. Um, what is the encouragement that Christians have during this time? The, the encouragement that Christians have is that God is sovereign. And yeah. we don't use that just for the catchy byword of saying God is sovereign. We say that because God's sovereignty should give the believer incredible peace and joy and comfort and security in times like this. Maybe
0: define God's sovereignty. I yeah. know, I know that sounds it's, simple. It's,
1: it's God's kingly reign, God's kingly control. You know, sovereign um, is often used as a noun, the sovereign of England. Yeah. That refers to the king. Well, when we talk about sovereignty, we talk about that God is reigning over all that he has created, um, that he's in complete and unchallenged control, at least you know, successfully unchallenged. There's an adversary in this world, and yet this is not an arm-wrestling match between God and Satan yeah. um, or between God and us yeah. or between God and anything else. God is in control of all that he's made. Um, I would refer people, um, just for a little word of encouragement, to Isaiah. Um, if you need just comfort in God's word about God's sovereignty, there's many places you could look. Um, I love Isaiah's words, and especially here in chapter 46, verses 8 through 11, he says this, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Hmm. So when we talk about God's sovereignty. Um this is what we're talking about that God from eternity past purposed to accomplish his will that he will absolutely accomplish it and that he can even then tell us why he has done what he's done because he's the one that planned it. This is yeah. this is God's sovereignty. So just take comfort in that. We're we're living in unprecedented times in the US. Um or I say in the US, how selfish of me. In the world. Right. We're, we're experiencing a worldwide I don't know
0: that I would call it unprecedented. It's
1: happened before. Well, I mean it's happened before, but I think it's unprecedented in the fact that we live in a in kind of a global community now. We're we're connected or at least we feel like we're connected through technology and through all you know, social media and communication and stuff like that. So you can experience things. Almost in real time with the rest of the world. Yeah, definitely. So when a foreign country is going through the epidemic before it's hit the U.S. and people are dying and becoming infected and stuff, you feel like you're experiencing that already because
0: you're watching it play out on your yeah. phone. And that's something that we have, you know, maybe maybe you're right that it is, it is entirely unprecedented because we're able to watch, like, Italy and, you know, happenings and stuff in China and say, oh, this is how we should respond because they did this and then this happened. So yeah. we also travel a whole lot more than they did back yeah. then. Everybody's yeah. traveling. Definitely. And I didn't
1: realize how much we traveled. I thought we didn't travel that much like here in our little circle and we're having to cancel travel plans. And I'm realizing like, good grief. Right. People are everywhere these days. right? But in, in the midst of all that, um, take comfort from God's word that as Christians, we see things unfolding that, that may or may not be unprecedented, but they're still at least, they're, they're world shaking events. Um, it, we feel crippled by them in a lot of ways because we're being asked to stay in our homes. We're being asked to isolate ourselves from other people and, and humans by nature are just social creatures. We, we tend to bond together. Even those of us who claim to be introverts, we still like social interaction. So everything about this, it makes us feel dehumanized, isolated, distrustful, afraid in the midst of all that our comfort is not going to come from ourselves. It will come from looking toward the Lord. Um, and that's why in these situations, um, this is this is one of the first reactions even of a pagan, un, pagan unbelieving culture is to start to look toward larger answers to these questions because mm-hmm. if all this all this does is exposes the fact that we were never in control yeah we're right, not right. in control in the good times yeah um, and
0: this just kind of brings those things it's to light it's funny how we look to history and we're like oh that could never happen in this day and age you know, like you, you look at something like just the the bubonic or the black plague or, you know, Spanish influenza and, you know, all the tuberculosis, all these these crazy kind of uh, epidemics and you know pandemics throughout history that have happened. And we're like, oh, we've got that under wraps. And then this happens. You well, know, it, should also, it should also make us
1: a good grief. We could talk for we could talk at length about this. We won't. But let me just just bring this up. If you look at church history, if you look at the Bible, if you look at the history of God's people, and you see these different times where they went through massive upheaval, we so easily dismiss those times. So you look back at like the Jewish diaspora and you're like, well, yeah, their temple was destroyed and their homeland burned and they were, you know, drug off and exiled. But, you know, Daniel still had a lot of good things he could think back on. No, no, no. Like his whole world was rocked in a way that we can't even really compare to right now. So just remember in those times, that's when God worked in his people and showed his glory in his, in his creation. Like it was bad, bad then. Yes. Um, God still worked.
0: That's good. That kind of leads us into really exact what we're going to be talking about. And this, and today's kind of going to kind of be, maybe you'd think it's like a hodgepodge of just different ideas, but really it's like, uh, our, our discussion today is about how Christians are reacting to this this uh, this quarantine and this virus that's that's happening worldwide. Yeah, um, should they be reacting that way? Maybe. What are our options as far as like worship is concerned? Yeah, we're just going to kind of be addressing um, stuff that we've noticed these past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, and I know that a lot of you guys are thinking about. So, um, what do you want to jump into first? Well, let's just jump into the fact that a lot of churches aren't meeting. Okay. Um,
1: So I I think that's one of the first things that that Christians really struggled with is like, do we meet? Do we not meet? Yes. Um, And like we mentioned, this stuff develops day by day. But right now, as of this recording, which is Tuesday afternoon, um, the current recommendation from the president is groups no larger than 10. Yeah. The CDC, I think their last recommendation was 50. But as I said, these things are changing so fast. So a lot of churches, our local church included, uh, made the extremely difficult, extremely unpleasant. Yes, it made it rankled me in every way. I hated making that decision. But we all, as as pastors here, decided to not hold physical gathering of of worship yeah. on, on Sunday, and instead
0: take it online. Um, and you said it rankled. I I hate it. Yeah. It was uh, it was hard showing up to church on Sunday and not having my friends, you know, kind of come, you know. Come behind me because normally I arrive kind of before everyone else. We do rehearsal. Okay. And that was really hard just to be up here like three hours alone. And well, and it also <laughs> weighs heavily. And I hope I hope people understand this.
1: And we're going to talk about one or two of these things. But what we did was a was an emergency uh, accommodation. Yeah. Um, this was something that is not supposed to be normal. And the reason it's not supposed to be normal is because the Bible, um, and specifically in Hebrews ten twenty five, it comes to mind. We're called not to forsake gathering. Um, the 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 people of God are called to gather in corporate worship, being together, singing together, uh, opening God's word together, yeah. expounding his word together. Like there's a together aspect that cannot be replaced. So when we went online, one of the reasons that it so
0: rankled us is this is not how the church is supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. I I think a whole lot about, well, because I'm a... I guess my title, worship leader, worship pastor. I mean, that's not my official title necessarily, but that's what I do. You know, I kind of think a lot about the services and what we do in church. And, you know, I think a lot about the scriptures um, that give us a prescription for how to behave together in the gathering, in the assembly. And um, my goodness, the Lord cares so much for His church, and He never wants believers to be separated, never wants believers to be— uh, I, I'm not going to say do life, but uh, to to just to live the Christian life alone. Yeah, that's not Christianity, and so it it, it is hard for us to make decisions where we say, "Well, guys, uh, you guys have to sit on your couch in your pajamas, and like five of us are going to be at the church, and we're going to be, you know, yeah. kind of doing it, it." It's 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 hard because um, that that it feels like that we are disobeying sometimes, and I think.
1: Yeah, and and as pastors, that weighs is really heavy on our shoulders. Um, I think I think two things I would bring up about that is, you, you might ask you might ask yourself, well, then how can you close the doors to the church building? Um, how then did you guys make the decision right, to right. go online versus having physical? Two things I would point out. Number one, um, there's times biblical precedents uh, for times when there are uh, circumstances that cannot be avoided. Um, that there are allowances in scripture for the way we we progress as a church or not progress but the way we conduct ourselves as a church so yeah. so for example one of the ones and this is probably not a great example but it's just the one that popped in my head um, the Ethiopian eunuch okay so you have Philip run into the Ethiopian eunuch Acts eight. yeah they're in the middle of a desert no one's around um, there's a puddle of water, and I'm, of course, I'm, you know, grossly generalizing the whole story here. But there's a puddle of water on the side of the road, and the Ethiopian eunuch makes a profession of faith and says, "Why, well, you know, what keeps me from being baptized?" Well, he's baptized right there. Whenever we teach that, we always say, "You know, this is this was a necessity out of circumstance." This is not the best or normative way that we're told to do baptism in the New Testament. Right? Um, we baptize in the presence of the church body whenever possible. Um, we gather together. We celebrate this. It's a public profession of faith, all of those things. He baptized the Ethiopian eunuch because he had to. He was leaving. Like there, that, that, that was the end of that circumstance. So I think that there's some biblical precedent that when there are extraordinary circumstances um, that the way we are doing church— um, that there's a little bit of mitigating influence there. But but, but I'll but I
0: say... Well, let me okay go ahead. jump in on that because sure, that was something that... That was a passage of scripture. I mean, we named our, our son, our third son, Philip, after, you know... Um, but Philip, you won't who, let anybody call him Phil. No. Which is irritating. But anyway, think. his first name is Philip, but we call him by his middle name, which is... I was going to make a joke, but I can't think of one of them, funny enough. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, I took that passage of Scripture as normative for a long time, yeah. and I was like, well, baptism should be, whenever someone professes it, it should be immediate. And I, I took that as a, a thing. But, you know, understanding the context of that passage. Um, now, some people will take the same passage of Scripture, and they'll say, oh, don't n- neglect the gathering, and they'll take it as there is no, like, that. that is it. Like, you yeah. have to gather. Yeah. Um, regardless of context and regardless of like proper hermeneutics or Bible, you know, study Bible interpretation, yep. you, you gather, doesn't matter if there's like a fire in the building, you gather and that's, you know, obviously I'm being hyperbolic, but right. Whatever. Okay. Second thing. No. Yeah.
1: Second thing. And that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Second thing is just that there's a difference between persecution, um, and amen and pandemic. Yeah. Um, I don't know another good way Baptist to say this preacher just alliterated. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all, y'all, better be amen yes. in your houses. Um, no, but seriously, if this was a matter of persecution, if our government came out, and this is just an example, this this has not happened, but if our government came out and said, we have decided that the Christian faith is just not good for our country, we want all Christians to cease meeting immediately, we would still meet. Um, and I say that because the Bible tells us that we serve a higher master than our government, that when the yeah. the orders of our government conflict with the orders of God, that we follow our master, which is the Lord. That's not what's happening here. Yeah. What's happening here is a request. It wasn't an order. A request from the government said, to save lives of those in your community, we ask you, please take your services online for a short time. Yeah. Um, for us to continue meeting, and this is, again, this is not a judgment call against pastors who are meeting. This is not a judgment call against those churches. This is a hard decision for every pastor in every church, so I'm not condemning anyone. Right. But what we felt burdened with was if it is a request to save lives in our community and that our continued physical meeting would put people at risk of death yes uh, we felt this was the best and most biblical way to share Christ's love with the community around us was to uh, was to sacrifice something that is that is <laughs> dear to our hearts which is physically gathering as the body of Christ sacrifice that for a very short time to save those around us that, that, I feel like it's it a testimony
0: the it's not about the government it's right. about our community. It's about our brothers and sisters. Right. And we, I feel like kind of the internet discourse is missing that compassion for one another, especially among Christians. It's it's gross. Like, people are like, oh, this is just a government conspiracy. Or they're like, "Well, it's, it's nothing. Or or the, the the worst thing that I see is, well, I'm fit and healthy. No one else is—or, you know, I'm not well, concerned of, about it. But yeah. when, 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 we, when we think about— and there's so
1: much infor- misinformation. you you got to put that out there, too. Sure. On the internet, there's people— yeah.
0: Uh, 1 Peter 2.17, which is um, kind of one of my favorite verses that I'm going to get tattooed all across my back. Um, not wow. really, I don't have any tattoos. Uh, to... <laughs> what? 1 Peter 2.17, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And I think a lot of times and then there's Romans thirteen, which is, you know, all about how to obey civil authorities, governing authorities. You know, Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul yep. encourages the church. Hey, obey your leaders. And the and they they were experiencing physical persecution. Right. Um, but in, you know, first Peter, that was also physical persecution. And not only like it wasn't the same as when Paul wrote Romans. It was worse, like physical persecution under Nero. But we're not talking about physical persecution. So what I want to focus on is not the honoring the emperor and obeying civil authorities necessarily. But if you know that that any person could be a potential carrier for a disease, and then you go around someone who could receive that disease from you, that is not loving the brotherhood. Yeah. So I mean that's kind of I think people are missing that and that was one of our real big reasons why we decided to to, to what it, cancel in person gatherings. Whatever the Christian attitude
1: is, and and we probably need to move on from this, but whatever the Christian attitude is on especially on social media, your attitude should be one of loving care for others. Even if you think that the whole Pandemic is overblown. Even if you think that we have the right to meet, no matter what's going on, whatever your opinions are, just remember you're giving a testimony to the world around you. So,
0: yes, when that testimony big, impacts, big, big thing.
1: when it impacts what what is, when it impacts our faith, that's one thing. So, when the world around us says there is no God, and you say lovingly but firmly, no, there is a God, and the world hates you for it, that's fine. Um, we're called we're called to that type of persecution. However, when the world around you says Uh, that especially the elderly and those with preconditions are at grave risk from this virus. And you say, well, at least it's not going to hit me. And you have a bold, cavalier, uncaring attitude. Just know, Christian, brother and sister, you're sending a message to the world. And we have to remember um, this is going to be a loud message. How we respond in these times, the words we use, the world watches and they remember so remember your testimony in these times. Yes, that's good and really helpful. Yeah. So, I would also just say just one more uh, one more word about the the unique nature of where we are in this in this whole this whole crisis. We're doing something odd and uncomfortable by meeting online. Uh, we've been recording far more
0: videos, and, you know, and putting stuff out. We've on. been trying to, you know, people can't necessarily come to the office. Um, and we can't necessarily go to people's homes, especially the people who who need us to be there. You know, yeah. so we've been trying to to provide some sort of spiritual guidance. You know, as stupid as it sounds, through Facebook or through you know yeah. podcast or whatever, and you know
1: phone calls and text and exactly. You know, praise the Lord, we live in a text messaging age. Uh, but with all of those things, none of this is normative. And, and what I would hate for anybody to to think is when you look at these, there's and again. This is not our effort to throw stones at other churches, but there are certain ways of doing church that are far less biblical and far less healthy. Um, so there's a lot of churches that make an online format normative yeah. for their people. This is just, you know, you can be the church sitting on your couch. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, church movements that really encourage, um, you know, home small groups as the primary way of the church meeting. Um, you know, we think of like our, 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 uh, our Calvary groups is what we call them, but our home, our home groups that meet after the service to talk about the service and and that type of thing, they make that the normative model. Like this is actually the church. Um, this is not a time for us to try to push less
0: biblical things because of necessity. Yeah. That's just pragmatism. Yeah. That's like saying that, oh, Hey, we're going to ignore the Bible. Um, or try to manipulate the Bible to say that this is the best model. And look, of course, it's the best model because people are restricted to ten or more people anyway. It's it's been it's been a challenge less, because me.
1: there since the internet was invented, um, like two hours after Al Gore invented the internet back in the <laughs> no, but you know, two minutes after the internet was invented, some Christian somewhere had the idea like, well, why can't we just do church on
0: the internet? You, you know, know virtual. You know, what one of the virtual reality. You know, you wear these headsets and all that they're having church services like on Sunday morning, like in virtual reality. It's very, very weird. And, and if you, if you want, if anybody wants to discuss
1: why that's not a good biblical model, we could walk through that. There is, there's immense, uh, precedent in scripture that that is not a good, healthy, biblical, pragmatic way to do church. Um, but just know this is this is not a time for us to take those less biblical things and to make those the norm. We're doing this for a very short season. I pray it is a very short season. You, you used the and we're expression doing it out of "necessity."
0: Exa- yeah, necessity. Use the expression yesterday or the day before with me when we were talking about. How could we communicate this to our church? But I still like the the idea, you know, that they used in uh, World War II when they're talking about rationing and and you know the women working in the factories in the U.S. and 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 like you know the air raids and stuff like that they had to endure in uh, Great Britain. But these are wartime measures. I still kind of like that yeah. expression. I think it communicates. It, it, it conjures up at least some some healthy imagery. These are things that we're doing temporarily because the the health of the world is at stake. Yep. You know, at least the physical health um we're not ceasing spiritual guidance we're not ceasing you know prayer and uh, uh and preaching the word yeah um and and that's another thing too i think this will help us move into we pray that you would not cease to hear the word preached yeah. and uh, that you would not cease to engage you're, you're if you're a christian then you're still a christian inside your home uh when you can't meet and um there's a lot of different avenues that people can turn to. You know, we talked about, like, this online thing. Uh, I have a lot of—or I, I don't have a lot of people. I know a lot of people who use—on um, our local channels, sometimes there'll be, like, local churches that'll broadcast. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, like, TBN, and there's there's other um, stations that on Sunday morning they'll put preachers on, you know, sometimes all during the week, and they'll use that as their primary way of hearing the word preached. Right, yeah. I would encourage you that if you're a member of a local church if you're a member of Calvary especially, do not turn to those instead of uh, hearing the word from your own pastors and uh and contributing uh you know in ministry to your own church unless you think we're being selfish here if you're a member of another church,
1: don't forsake that pastor oh yeah like you need to be plugged into your congregation
0: yeah. first and foremost
1: absolutely even
0: good. Biblical, like I can name a thousand wonderful uh, uh, Bible teachers and scholars and professors and and pastors that uh, I love to listen to. That's not your pastor, unless listen, they are your pastor. But I listen
1: to R.C. Sproul when I'm working out all the time. I listen to his podcasts.
0: That's, hey man, nothing, that is the funniest thing to me. Nothing, nothing gets you amped up. I to I literally, iron. I have to listen to like the heaviest, hardest music to work out. And you I listen, listen to, to some old guy, uh, but <laughs> when you
1: listen to when you when I listen to Sproul, um, in no way should I be content that like well i'm getting fed from rc Sproul this week yes yeah, so i don't have to go to church yeah rc sure. Sproul does not know me yes uh well, he's i dead. mean he's he's passed on and and but it, just assuming he was still alive like he doesn't know me i'm not part of his flock he's not going to be the one uh correcting me when i'm an error he's not going to be the one challenging me to grow my faith he's not going to be the one at my you
0: know daughter's wedding or whatever
1: it might be like that's who you're plugged into biblically
0: i think a, a, an equally as important thing to think about So R.C. Sproul or Paul Washer or John MacArthur or Mark Dever or anyone else, not only do they not know you, you don't know them. That's true. Um, And uh, so sometimes this is the age we live in, and I'm fine with it, but um, sometimes we have to be careful. People will share 10-second clips of sermons on Facebook, or they'll go to YouTube and they'll watch one sermon and, or they'll watch sermons from someone who has passed away, like R.C. Sproul or Adrian Rogers or whatever. Cause there's a glut of stuff out there. Yeah, there's, there's some, a ton. There's so much. A lot good, a lot bad. And they'll watch this stuff and they'll be like, oh man. And then, so they'll resonate with something that this guy said. Or maybe he just communicates in a really special way. And then they'll share all, they'll, they'll share a bunch of stuff on Facebook. And sometimes these are false teachers. Yeah. I, I would and I'm not going to say the majority of the time, but the people, there's a lot of people who speak really well and who have like really high production values. Better than we do. They're better communicators than than we we are. Yeah, who have like sleeker podcasts, the music isn't public domain, (laughs) and they're, you know, whatever, um, and they're false teachers. Yeah. So, like I mentioned TBN. Don't watch TBN. I'm just going to say straight up, TBN only hosts false teachers. Yeah. Um, and, And it seems like, you know, a lot of times... We don't live, and I keep saying we live in an age, we don't live in a, an age where you have to really search hard for good Christian teaching. Yeah. It it might have used to been that TBN was the only Christian programming available, but that's not the case anymore. So do not settle for unbiblical heresies. The thing, the thing with TBN, I think, I think a lot of times those guys are just, they seem to be very apparent.
1: apparent. You know what I mean? Like it, it they, they, they come from, I'm trying to really weigh my words here, but they come from to us very odd sectors. They 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 attended very odd teaching. Um they present themselves in very odd ways. They use odd phrases. What to me is is far more our people are far more susceptible is when people come from our circles. Yes. They speak with our language. They hold degrees from our seminaries. Yes. Um, they sound very good a lot of the time. But then when you really just kind of weigh what they're actually saying you probably ought to stay away from their teaching.
0: So Josh is is um right to weigh his words and be cautious because we never want to be we never cavalier. just want to Yeah, cavalier mm-hmm. with, 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 with calling people out and I'm using air quotes over here. Um we need video. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna explain everything. If you've ever turned on descriptive text or descriptive you know what I'm talking about on your TV, like on accident and it tells you everything that's happening oh, on the screen, yeah. maybe we'll just do that. Shrug shoulders. Yeah. Anyway, um we don't want to be cavalier with our attitudes. We don't want to be mean and biting, but um but we want to warn against all the yes. And so there's a there's, there's 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 a there's a church called Elevation Church. Their music is incredibly popular and the production value is excellent. A lot of times the songs are pretty good. Um and the the pastor of Elevation Church, I think they have several campuses maybe, but they're a large mega church. The pastor of Elevation Church, his name is Stephen Furtick, and if you haven't already heard of him, I'm honestly surprised. But uh, you've if you probably have,
1: seen a video clip of you've him. You've
0: probably seen a vid- video clip of him. He's an attractive guy. His 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 videos are always very well produced, really slick. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really, really well produced. He has like a, a, a manner of speaking that's just like it really gets you going. I, it's it's a lot like motivational speaking, I'd say. But um, he said some things we've. We've talked about heresies, and we've talked about you know false teaching a lot on this podcast, but he said some things, and you mentioned people from our own denomination. He's a Southern Baptist. It's from a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. People from our seminaries. He went to Southern Seminary, yeah. um, which is a Southern Baptist seminary, and yet his teaching is almost like counter uh, to Southern Baptist teaching. It lines up more with Word of Faith theology, lines up more with uh, some kind of, I guess, really uh, charismatic Pentecostalism, and and he has a lot of, he's he said things from, I don't think, he doesn't use a pulpit, but um, he said things from the stage that, you know, to his church and to the hundreds of thousands of people that watch his messages that were heresies long, long, long ago, uh, you know, or heresies that were kind of decided that they were heresies long, long ago. Can I, me- can I ago. mention three? Yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> can, can, I, can I mention three? That's a lot.
1: Yeah, well... I mean, because the thing is, and this is the thing, why are we even bringing him up? We're bringing him up because people are going to be on social media and on the internet looking at Christian content right now more than ever because they're stuck in their homes. We want to warn you against Christian content and we want to give you a specific example. Warning against bad Christian content. Yeah, bad content. Um, but we want to give you a specific example that it seems innocuous most of the time. You've probably, if you have not seen his Lego illustration, he gets up there with like this big pile of Legos and talks about how God's putting your life together or something like that. You can watch that little two-minute clip and be like, "Well, what's wrong with this?" It sounds fine. Yeah. Um, these are just three things that he's that he's said, and my reason for bringing these up is to show you how serious they are. But also, I hope he does repent of these three positions, and and I hope he does turn away from them and recognize yeah, how I damaging know. they are. He he
0: has to be be aware, like, cause there's, there's people that have to be in his life telling him. Like, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But the, the, the three things a while back, he said that Jesus broke the law and it's part of a, a long run illustration. Law, right? Yeah. God's law. So his whole point in that is for Jesus to save mankind, Jesus broke the law for you and he did it out of love. That's not like a minor theological point. Um, that is a huge theological it's point. It's
0: almost anti-Trinitarian.
1: Yeah, it is. It's okay. anti-Trinitarian. Trinitarian. It denies the whole book of Hebrews. Jesus yeah. <laughs>
0: fulfilled the law. Yeah. He didn't break the law. For him to be a lawbreaker overturns the atonement. It's huge. Well, it me. It, it essentially. What I, what I mean by anti-Trinitarian, it essentially says that Jesus is at odds with uh, God the Father. Right. Because, but 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 the Trinitarian belief is. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, working; they're co-equal, working in unity, harmony together. Yeah. And so, it's an anti-Trinitarian statement. It's anti-biblical because the Bible, like you said, the entire book of Hebrews, yeah. which the entire he- book of Hebrews is almost like just just about that. Yeah. And his his fulfillment of the ancient promises and the ancient laws and covenants. So that's one. That's one. Another one is that
1: he had this really a uh, really poignant sermon where he was talking about. He has this real slowdown moment, and he says, there is one thing that even the Son of God cannot do. He cannot overcome your unbelief. And then he reiterates that like three or four times yeah. to make sure. And, and, and it was supposed and to be a shocking moment. And everyone's standing up and clapping and Yeah, and it's supposed whatever. to be a shocking moment. Um, there is nothing the Son of God cannot do. Yeah. Again, that's that anti-Trinitarian. Is, yeah, that's, it's, it's anti-Trinitarian. We could talk about the specific context he was using about our unbelief, and you could say, well, there's a lot of biblical passages that say the Son draws you. Yeah, um, John 6 comes to mind, but let's just skip over that specific point. For us to say that there is anything that the Son of God cannot do is to deny his deity, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, we, like you said, we have Trinitarian problems. That's not a small deal. It's a huge, huge deal. The, the latest one... Um, that has become real, real well known is that he said that God changed forms. He said that when Jesus left, that God did not, that Jesus did not actually leave, but that instead he just changed forms the and Spirit. came back
0: as the Holy Spirit. And that, and that is explicitly anti-Trinitarian. That's, That's called that is, that is an ancient heresy. And when I say ancient, I literally mean from the beginning of uh, the church, like when Jesus ascended, immediately started. You know, people like the Gnostics were like, well, okay, so we'll believe that Jesus was God, but th- but we know that the flesh is sinful, so Jesus couldn't really have been 100% man. Right. You know, so immediately this, there were
1: heresies. This is like... This particular one's called modalism. Yeah. And it, it pretty much teaches that there's one God who comes to us in just different ways, like different faces that he wears. Um, it's denying different that Different
0: modes, are, different forms. Yeah, it's
1: denying the personhood of Christ, that there are three persons in the Godhead that they constitute one God, co-equal in three persons. Um, that's not a small deal. It's a huge deal. Right. So, why do I mention, or why do why, I, mean, why do we bring up these these three things that um, Stephen Furtick said? Number one, it's just to bring up a specific example of there is a lot of bad teaching that is on the internet that is couched in very familiar language. Most of the sermon will sound very familiar. Uh, most of the themes you would have no trouble with. But when you look at that overarching theme, he just preached an entire sermon on modalism. It was a sermon that was centered on an ancient heresy. Yeah, um, That's not a small deal for the Christian. That's something that we as pastors are called to warn the flock against. And that's something that as Christians we are called to flee from. Yes. Um, so again do I bring this up because I just want Stephen Furtick to crumble and fall? No, I want him to repent and be restored. I want, I yeah, want him amen. to repent of these wrong teachings, but really he's not, I'm not even in his circle. He doesn't know my name. I, I that, that, that's not my concern. My concern is to warn our flock. that exactly. We've been tasked
0: over. Exactly. And so if it sounds like pointed and like we're being, I don't know, uncharitable, I, I, I think this is our job because, and, and I'll say this too, we've, obviously we we we're on social media we see what our church puts on social media we see the things that our church and our our members share and we want to be um you know hopefully this is effective for those people hopefully they 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 can hear this and be a little bit more uh, discerning but also some people i've heard you know they'll 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 watch Joel Osteen which i think is just you know i don't think anyone in our church really has a problem with us saying that he is a false teacher, but they'll say, they'll look at Joel Osteen, and we'll say, hey, that man's a, a heretic, and, and they might say, oh, well, he has some, some good stuff to say. He has some good leadership principles, or he has, you know, he's really encouraging. Yeah. The thing with Stephen Furtick is, maybe he has a sermon uh, that is doctrinal, doctrinally sound, and maybe he has a sermon that is, you know, all right, and, and maybe a sermon that I would preach, uh, but his views that he's professed you know, throughout these these years that we've kind of talked about, these heresies... Yeah, we're talking about a 15-year stretch. Yeah, so. they infect all his theology. And when I say infect, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? I mean, your beliefs, your theological beliefs affect your life, they affect your teaching, they affect the way that you talk to people. So what he believes about Jesus affects what he teaches about Jesus, obviously. And it, and if you don't know Stephen
1: Furtick, or maybe if this is not connecting with you, just back up for a minute and just consider that there are dozens, probably hundreds of these that when you open up Facebook, pop on your news feed as Christian content. Yeah, 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 There are a lot of these uh, teachers out there. If there's, if there's somebody out there that teaches something slightly different on eschatology than I do or something like that, well, that's fine. We can, we can have disagreement about that. We're talking about people that teach wrong teaching about the core doctrines of our faith, yeah. and that's a big deal.
0: And we we can we can move on from this. You know, our, our primary goal with this really is to encourage you that we know that you're going to be con- and I said consuming. It's odd, but you're going to be hearing more. You're going to be consuming more. You're going to probably intentionally look for more things on the radio, you know, kind of devotionals and things Man, like that. Being that being said, yeah, and let me throw in, there's a lot of good stuff,
1: yeah. a lot. Praise God that we have so much good content readily available. It's yeah. a blessing.
0: It really is. What what we've planned on doing already is providing you resources. I'm making a playlist right now on Spotify um, that uh, that you can listen to at home with your families and, you know, worship. Just we want to provide you good content, and we want to provide you good resources uh, for worship at yeah. home. Uh, so, you know, kind of on the flip side of that, there are bad resources, and we do not want you to be deceived. Sure. Do not be deceived, church. There, are, there is bad Christian content. Not everything that wears the name Christian is good or true. And so we, used, we only use Stephen Furtick's name in this podcast because he's very prevalent. Uh, and if you've never seen him, that's fine. You will eventually— Um, and if you like him, you know, send me a Facebook message or yell at me on the phone or whatever, but, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that what he's saying is, is wrong, unhelpful, and will lead people astray. So, uh, that being said, um, just be careful with what you put in, you know, your, your, your input, um, as far as Christian content is concerned. Let's, let's, let's move on from that. Is there anything else we would like to equip our people with is, you know, this time of, well, as we stress, <laughs> as we kind of, yeah, and as we
1: kind of look toward toward closing, just know that, number one, that your pastors here at Calvary are going to be trying to communicate with you in, in multiple ways. Um, if you are not a member of our church, um, I pray that uh, you would seek out your pastor or pastors in this time um, and that you'd ma- maintain that contact with your local church. Um, I pray that our people would see this as an opportunity. This is a historic opportunity for our church to respond in a way that honors God. Um, this is a historic opportunity for Christians to respond in a dark time in a way that honors God. Mm. Um, it's also a time where we can fail at that calling. So let's just be committed to the task. Let's remember we're part of something far bigger, a calling that's far greater than, you know, whether or not I have toilet paper stocked in my individual house this week or yes. whatever. Um, nice. Also, thirdly, seek out good Christian content during this time. Uh, I am just as susceptible as the next guy to plop down on my couch and watch some show on Netflix that does very little for my spiritual condition. Um, Use this time that you have at the house to talk to your kids about the Lord. Use this time at your house Mm. to pray Mm. with your wife. (laughs) Uh, Use this time at the house to crack open a book by a Puritan and challenge yourself to grow in your faith. (laughs) Yeah, okay. You'll Um, stop
0: being a Christian if you try to do that. (laughs) How
1: dare you, sir? <laughs> it's so hard. There are such good writing. Crack open John Owen and weep at his passion. Read, read about the Valley the Lord. of Vision, which is a bunch of Puritan prayers, and it's the most beautiful thing I've ever read in my life. It is nice, yeah. um, but seriously, use this time as as a time to to grow in the Lord. Every I once heard a pastor. We can close on this, but I once heard a pastor that said uh, adversity is pregnant with opportunity. Ew. Yeah, I know <laughs> the pregnant part's kind of a little ew, but 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 just think about what he's saying. You know, adversity has the has the beginnings of opportunity yeah. growing in it. It is it is right there. So this is a bad time in, in, in our country and in the world, yes,
0: uh, but it's a time when God's glory can shine. So be a part of that. Be committed to that. That's good. Yep. Um, we will provide you with resources um, on our Facebook page. We'll provide you with uh, music, books to read, articles to read. We're going to do our best to try to equip the saints um with this good Christian content we're talking about, don't dismay. This isn't uh, this isn't outside of God's control. God has ordained the coronavirus just like He ordained the flood. Uh, not that I'm saying that this is a worldwide pandemic that's going to wipe out everybody except for eight people, but this is not any less outside God's control. Right. Um, remember in the sovereignty of the Lord. Remember what uh, God has commanded. How God has commanded you to behave and to live as believers. Show hospitality for your neighbors. I pray. That um, that you would consider other people more important than yourselves during this time. Don't hoard hold hoard toilet paper, please. Uh, I need some too. All right, is that it? Hard break. Yeah, I think you're I think you're about a week late
1: on that plea, but yeah, yeah. Everyone's got their toilet yeah, paper. Yeah, there's none left. All right, is that about it for today? I asked you. Yep. All right. So we uh, we do hope you will join us next time. And even in the uh, even in the pandemic crisis, we do pray that good doctrine will establish good living in your life.